Arctic class because we're going to have a lot of information today and we want to have enough time to reflect. And by the way, uh, I go really fast and if you have any questions, I usually do not leave much time except maybe 15 seconds at the end. So feel free, raise your hand, ask the question. Um, I do not have a specific slide for a question, uh, but uh, this is uh, really interactive and designed for all of us to learn together. So let us open in prayer and we will dive in. Father God, we're grateful to reflect on your holiness, that you are absolutely incomprehensible, and yet you humbled yourself as Christ came into this world as a baby in such a helpless form, became a mankind to redeem us. I pray as we reflect today uh, the truth as we study Leviticus, Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to believe, to trust you, and, and marvel at the amazing grace of your salvation. May you be exalted, we pray. Amen. For those of you who are new or newer, uh, let me see if we can dim maybe lights a little bit up front here. Uh, and, okay. Dirk, would you be able to touch the computer and see that one monitor frozen? So while we are figuring out and configuring a technology aspect, thank you, I want us to uh, just have a brief review for those of, uh, some of you are for the first time here in class in Leviticus. So what is the key truth that we've been studying in Leviticus? Holiness, thank you. Uh, Test, test, and PowerPoint. All right. I am sure Dirk can figure it out. He's a very, very helpful. Okay, now we're working. Thank you so much, perfect. So uh, as we are studying uh, Leviticus and we primarily really focusing on the truth and doctrine of God's holiness, um, I want us to re review really briefly how do we glean from the Bible. And this is true from the Old Testament or New Testament. So you remember last time we covered the principle of 10. Uh, we're looking what, what happened then, what is eternal in the text, and really what is now, how do we apply the text. And as we will see today specifically, or last week, uh, either we're studying Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, or any parts of the scriptures, they are extremely relevant for us today. God's word is ever relevant, regardless of which part of the uh, time frame in the human history you live. Now, how do we approach the text? Uh, we approach it prayerfully. We want to come with expectation to work hard. It is true, especially in the book of Leviticus. And I feel like uh, our study this year help, will help all of you to enjoy your Bible reading plan when you start from the Old Testament. That things will make sense and you will start to see connections. This is one of the, uh, I guess my desires is to build the bridges as, as we study Old Testament to see how it is the background and the context for the New Testament. And whenever you read the New Testament, you should be drawn back to the Old Testament because that is the foundation. And that's something we will see today. 
And obviously we want to study the text with the, with the ministry and the help of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who uh, inspired the text. Okay? Holy Spirit did not inspire the authors or writers. This is something we study right now in the children's ministry, and I just want us to be clear. The inspiration pertains to original text, not to the hands or, or human uh, instruments who wrote it. So why holiness? Well, God chose a nation of Israel. He brought them out of Egypt, and he's preparing them. So Leviticus is really its instructions for the nation of Israel, how she must live and worship as God's chosen people in response to his holiness in order that he might dwell among them. This is something out of history. It never happened before in any hum human history experience where God would dwell among their, that group of people. Can you think of any religion in the world today where their God is dwelling among them? Nothing comes to mind because there is nothing to think of. Uh, Israel is the only nation that would ever experience that for two reasons. Uh, the God of Israel is the only God that would ever exist. He's the only true and living God. And he chose the nation of Israel to, to dwell among them, really to condescend and to be among his people. So uh, we also learned that God is holy, and this is something we're going to review today. And in, in response to his holiness, he has certain expectations for the people of Israel and consequently for us as well. So I just want to refresh on some quotes as, as we've been reflecting on the holiness of God uh, from Jonathan Edwards. Holiness is more than a mere attribute of God. It is the sum of all his attributes, the outshining of all the God is. So if, when we think about really holiness, it, it, it is uh, God's perfection in all ways. It is who he is. And it sets really apart him from everything that is created. As we define holiness, holiness, um, God is not a creature. He is apart from anything that is created. That what, uh, is a basic definition for the term holiness. Uh, another quote from Stephen Charnock, uh, he wrote, Holiness is God's beauty and glory. When God would be drawn as much as he can be, he is drawn in his attribute of holiness. Power is in his hand, omniscience in his eyes, mercy in his bowels, but holiness is his beauty. So what is the proper response to God's holiness? His holiness demands our worship. We dare not worship him as we please, but rather as he ordained. And this is specifically true and is really prescribed through the book of Leviticus. God sets the parameters. He sets the instructions for the people of Israel how they ought to worship him. Uh, I also want to add another quote from uh, Dr. Sisprol in his book, uh, from his book on holiness of God. When God led Israel out of bondage in Egypt, something that we've been studying this year, he made them a special nation. He set them apart. He called them his chosen people and gave them a special commission. He said to them, be holy because I am holy. This is something we covered last Sunday. Now you would wonder, so what? How that 
relates to us in the 21st super civilized America. Keep reading. <clears throat> well, this special call to Israel was not really new. It did not begin with Moses or even with Abraham. He called to holiness. The call to holiness was first given to Adam and Eve. This was the original assignment of the human race. We were created in the image of God. To be God's image meant, among other things, that we were made to mirror and reflect God's character. We were created to shine forth to the world of the holiness of God. This was the chief end of man, the very reason of our existence. So more we try to live and fulfill our purpose as a mankind in this world, the more we need to understand God's holiness so we can properly reflect his character in our lives. Something that you can read, it's a wonderful Christmas gift if you're considering uh, to give one to your friends or family, The Holiness of God by, by R.C. Sproul. Definitely worth reading. Um, as we dive and get closer to Leviticus, what is the outline? What are key two really divisions in this book? I told some of you there will be a brief quiz today. Uh, so, so really the first part of the book is the way to God is through appropriate worship. And you may recall that we've been covering uh, various sacrifices that any worshiper had to come with. They couldn't come with empty hands. They had to bring sacrifices. And uh, we also read about and studied about uh, the, the mediators in Israel, the priests, the ministry of priests, Aaron and his family, as they were called really to represent, to uh, mediate and to atone for the sins of Israel, but also to defend the holiness of God and to instruct Israel about the holiness of God. So last week and today we are on the point number three and we're going to encounter God's design. And next Sunday we're going to cover really the, the, the peak of the Mount Rainier, uh, God, the ensuring God's forgiveness about uh, the Day of Atonement. That's really the key and kind of as we're building up to, to the top of Leviticus, to culmination. And next uh, few Sundays we will cover uh, the calendar, the sacred calendar, God who created time. He sets aside certain key events in the life of Israel for worship. And we also will cover um, blessing and curses as God gives instruction for people of Israel uh, when they finish camping at Sinai they will head to the promised land how can they enjoy their life in promised land by remembering Leviticus by ensuring the blessing and not being an object of curse of divine curse and obviously as we read the rest of the Old Testament, Old Testament Israel experienced everything they've experienced divine blessings, and divine discipline. In fact, if you are to read the news today, and you're probably watching the, what, what conflicts are happening, and this is not the first conflict, by the way, in the land of Israel, it is a continuation of historical conflicts. One of the reasons it is not a, a sociological or economic, it is a theological reason. Because the nation of Israel is in the land, and this is something quoting some of the Jewish um, some, uh, some of the Jews who would say, they, they themselves would say, Israel is not in the land 
according to legitimate purpose of the scriptures. As a nation, they haven't repented. So they still experience the discipline, the hand of God's discipline. Not that we desire them to be in the conflict, and this is our prayer, that they would repent. And the day is coming when they, as a nation, will repent, when they will see the one whom they pierced. So we're going to conclude, really, our study in Leviticus, and this is going to be the first Sunday of January. Uh, how do we practically pursue God's holiness in our, in our lives? So we want to not simply learn, understand, but also live it out. How does God's holiness, what are the means of God's grace in our lives that we may grow in his holiness? So briefly from last week, we studied the basics, the ABCs of worship. And Leviticus 11 through 15 deals with uh, one of the key subjects. A uh, key term that is used in, in that section of the scriptures, clean and unclean. So when we think of clean, for those of you who are moms and raising children, how many times do you think of clean and unclean? <laughs> A lot. Now, we define the term that it does not deal with hygiene. It doesn't deal with uh, uh, physical hygiene or just the appropriateness or cleanness or neatness of the house or life. Clean and unclean, what, how this term is being used in this context in Leviticus 11 through 15. I have too many hands to choose from. Uh, God's choice. Anyone else? Set aside for God's use. If you think about worship, and this is really the key point, it is in the context of worship. And ancient Jew or ancient Jewish people, they would come to worship where? they would come either to temple or tabernacle. And the requirement for them to come before they could come into the presence of God, and you know that God's presence was manifested specifically when his Shekinah visible glory through the cloud during the day or a pillar of, of fire would be through the night. That's where God dwells. So they would come to, as close as they could come. That would be the tabernacle, the outer court. And they had to be clean clean in the ceremonial essence before they could bring even sacrifices and enjoy the fellowship with God. So in this context, in chapters 11 through 15, the term clean and clean has to do with their ceremonial proper, uh, really, position before they could enjoy the closeness with God through worship. So God, in chapter 11, gave them an instruction of various animals, Really, the question was to eat or not to eat. And he gives specifically what they could eat, what they could not eat. And what was the reason? Exactly. That was the reason. How many of you vote for uh, pork chop? I mean, none of the Jews would vote for it because they would not allow to eat. How many of you would vote for 
grasshopper, crisp, none of you. But Jews will vote for it. Okay. So it's not our preference. It's not even their preference. Uh, it is God who gave this instruction to the nation of Israel. And one of the purposes, because they're going to live and food in a very unique ways, sets us apart. I mean, we are so diet-conscious people. This is one of the blessings and curses living in America, because we can't be diet-conscious. If you are to go to Myanmar, people have only two choices of bread, one from yesterday, one from today. When we go to the store, we have uh, the 30 choices, 50 choices of bread. And sometimes you have a hard time to choose because one kid wants this type of bread, another kid wants that type of bread. Uh, so you buy both. But God gives these instructions to people of Israel so they will learn really to be holy in a practical sense. So today we're going to, um, and this is kind of the summary of what we're going to learn today uh, God gives other instructions that specifically relate to uh, issue of being clean or not, not clean for ceremonial purposes. And we will see when a person is not clean, person has to be outside of the camp. They cannot be part of the camp, a normal life. So again, why all these various uh, issues, either it has to do with uh, purification following childbirth, uh, leprosy, contaminated house, or bodily discharge. Why? What is the reason? Again, the same reason. Be holy for I am holy. So I would like to uh, invite you to open with me uh, to Leviticus chapter 13. We're going to read a sections from Leviticus 13 and 14. And then we're going to uh, look at some passages in the New Testament. Uh, Whenever we, something that we are uniquely blessed in compared to people of Israel in the ancient time, we do have a New Testament. We have a full, complete revelation of God in the Bible. Uh, so whenever we study the Old Testament, we always want to go, go and look in the New Testament, how it is being explained, amplified, defined. And whenever we study the New Testament, we want to read the background of the Old Testament in what context the New Testament was given. So we would read uh, more sections today than we normally would read, and our time permits us. Uh, although we're not going to read the entire section, uh, Leviticus 13 and 14, because it's just, it's amazingly two very long chapters. Um, so I would ask Lance to start, if you could stand and read Please, uh, chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. And I'm going to have the reading uh, text here for us so we can follow. Okay, then the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, When a man has the skin of, a, of his body, a swelling or a scab or a bright spot, and it becomes infection of leprosy on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest, or to one of his sons the priest. The priest shall look at the mark on the skin of the body. And if their hair in the infection has turned white and the infection appears to be deeper, then the skin of his body is it is an infection of leprosy. When the priest has looked at him, he shall pronounce him unclean. But if the bright spot 
is white on the skin of its body, and it does not appear to be deeper than the skin, and the hair on it has not turned white, and the priest shall isolate him who has the infection for seven days. Could you read one more section, please? The priest shall look at him on the seventh day, and if his eyes, and if in his eyes the infection has not changed and the infection has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall isolate him for seven more days. The priest shall look at him again on the seventh day, and if the infection has faded and the mark has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It, it is only a scab, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab spreads farther on the skin, after he has shown himself to the priest for his cleansing, he shall appear again to the priest. The priest shall look, and if the scab has spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. So first, I want us to define an uh, important term, leprosy. When we read, and this is going to be the key term really uh, in the next two chapters, uh, this term leprosy is really not a translation, uh, but a transliteration. So when uh, Hebrew Bible was translated into Greek and Septuagint, something that we know as a Greek Septuagint, this term leper, that was the Greek translation of the disease. And in Latin, it was really transliterated, and also in English. So whenever we think of leprosy, uh, in, in this context, in this chapter, uh, we will read about various external skin diseases. It is not something as one specific disease. So just, just uh, something for, for our context as we think. Um, Another observation I want us to see here, when a person has some type of skin disease, he goes to urgent care, multi-care, pastor, or priest. What, what, where do you normally go? You go to YouTube first, okay? <laughs> What, what are the symptoms and is there a cure online? So in this case, uh, people of Israel instructed to go to the priest. Now does the priest, and notice here, God speaks specifically to Moses and to Aaron. Remember, Aaron is installed as a priest and it will pertain to Aaron and his sons. And God gives this instruction to, uh, so they know, as priests, they would know. And also they would teach the people of Israel. But for what purpose? Why priests had to deal with the skin diseases? I want us to fast forward to the end of the chapter. It's very interesting that um, the answer will be at the end of the chapter. Ryan, if you would be so kind to stand and read. There will be two slides.
So this is really the purpose statement at the very end of this chapter. So people had to come to the priest, and it is the priest's responsibility to pronounce either the person or the article of their clothing, the leather clothing, whether it is clean or unclean. If a person who is ceremonially clean touches an article, a clothing that is unclean, the person becomes ceremonially unclean. It becomes very important. And something we are familiar as we uh, read in the New Testament, we really read uh, how practically in the society somebody who is designated as unclean, how they had to live. So here in, in this text, God gives instruction uh, through Moses and Aaron for, for somebody who has this infection, uh, this person had to visibly demonstrate. They had to be put aside of the, uh, outside of the camp. Now, incidentally, in the context that we've been studying, what would be um, a place for the outside of the camp? What would be placed outside of the camp? Whenever a priest will burn the offering, the ashes will be taken outside of the camp. If you recall, when Nadab and Abihu died, they were taken and buried outside of the camp. So being outside of the camp is not simply a place of unclean, but this is the place where dead things are. And God specifically instructs Israel to maintain the ceremonial cleanness of the camp. Why? Because God dwells in the midst of the camp. So anything that is unclean has to be outside of the camp. A person cannot come inside of the camp unless they go through the purification. Either the clothing, and we'll read about their houses as well. So in chapter 14, God gives the provision. So now the person is healed from their external skin disease, and they can enter uh, the life, normal life of the community. So God gives a very specific instruction how that needs to be done. Nate, if you'd be so kind to stand and read for us uh, this section. The chapter continues, and I did not bring it here. I trust that you will read it on your own. It gives a very detailed instruction, but there are a few, a few things I want us to observe here, that when somebody is healed and they are ready to be brought into the camp, notice what the priests would do. So the, the news came to the priest, and the priest shall go out to the outside of the camp. The priest shall examine if infection of a leprosy has been healed in the leper, and then the priest shall give orders to take, and there is a, actually a whole list of sacrifices that need to be taken place. There would be, besides the, the two birds, there would be a sacrifice for guilt offering, sacrifice for sin offering, and the burnt offering. 
So a person who can be admitted back to the camp, they had to go through this ceremonial cleansing. Now, how important, if you are a Jew, to maintain your ceremonial cleanness and to enjoy the life inside the camp? On a scale of 1 to 10, how important? Very important. Now, when we read uh, of, of various examples of leprosy in the scriptures, something that we learn that leprosy, in some cases, would be element of God's judgment. Can you give me an example? Miriam? Uzziah? Elisha had a servant. Gehaziah. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing rightly in English, and I definitely do not pronounce in Hebrew either. Um, but these are elements of God's judgment. What else did the external sickness of leprosy or other skin diseases would point to the people of Israel? If you think about what Dr. Sproul was, uh, uh, was writing and alluding, really, the people of Israel, this is not their... Uh, outside of the history experience, this is only now being out of Egypt. They have to demonstrate the holiness of God in their lives. They are called to be holy. As uh, human beings, as being created in the image of God, they had to demonstrate that and reflect God's design in their lives. And one of the key truths that the Israelites specifically in their camp, and this is something they would witness to others, that something is broken in this world. They live in the Genesis 3 world. And the fact that they experience sickness of various kinds, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is a direct, uh, that they have sinned, like some of the friends of Job would think. Um, But it, it is either direct or indirect result of sin. We live in the world Uh, the broken world, Genesis 3, and we have to think, even though we experience medical infirmities and different sicknesses, we have to think and process them theologically. There is no medicinal cure, ultimate cure. The scripture points us to Revelation 22, and it says that there will be no more uh, Medicaid and I'm not talking about the, the Medicaid tax. Um, there will be no, no more Medicaid or insurance that will need to cover your medication in heaven because there will be no diseases. There will be absolute, complete healing. God will restore our bodies and will give us absolutely new bodies. Notice here the priest had to go outside of the camp. I want us to look uh, at the passage in the New Testament. Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. It is not in the slides, but it is in your Bibles, so open with me. Mark chapter 1. We're going to read a brief text, and we're going to make a few observations. This is one of the incidents uh, pertaining to leprosy. Verses 40 through 45. Mark 1, verses 40 through 45. And the leper came to Jesus, beseeching him, and falling on his knees before him, and saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, 
I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, the, lepr le the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. And he sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded. By the way, where did Moses command it? Right here in Leviticus chapter 13 and 14. As a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed out in unpopulated areas, and they were coming to him from everywhere. What are some observations we can make of this text? That is a good question, uh, which we'll cover a little bit later. That is the ending uh, part. No, it doesn't necessarily refer to unclean area. I think Mark specifically will use the terminology for of in or out. It's a relationship term, not, not ceremonial cleanness or uncleanness. We see the humanity of Christ. We see the humanity of Christ. Absolutely. So something the pastor campus was preaching in the first hour, we see here an example of that. How do we see the humanity of Christ? We see he felt compassion. And this is the term, really, he felt with his guts. It touched him. The desperate situation of this leopard touched Jesus. How else do we see the compassion of Jesus? He stretched out his hand and he touched the leopard. This is uh, something uh, Jason shared on, on Wednesday about uh, Jesus' holiness. And we see here that uh, his holiness does not become taint or unclean. It's quite opposite. It is his holiness that impacts this person, heals this person, cleanses him completely. What are the observations? Well, the question of leprosy had to do with the question of cleansing, being clean or unclean. Where the leper would live in the normal day-to-day -day life? Outside. And the leper had to not just live outside, but also any, any person who would come near at the distance, he had to cry and say, unclean, unclean. He had to be a warning sign. What about his family dynamic? He had to be separate. He had to be, uh, there is no, uh, no Christmas meal for him. That's for sure. He had to be um, a person outside of worship. He would be uh, cut away from his family. Uh, it was a rather helpless situation. Imagine for somebody to be banned 
This is the state of this leper. Now, he hears about Jesus because uh, the, um, the reputation of Jesus, of his power specifically, goes out to all the regions, not just in Jerusalem. So he comes across Jesus, and he comes with, with this uh, plea. He's begging to be cleansed. He, he is banned from his family. He is banned from his friends. He is banned from any social life, normal social life. He is banned from being able to worship God. Now I want you to notice that Jesus was moved with pity. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be cleansed. Now in compared to the priestly ministry in the Old Testament, how many priests in history were able to do exactly what Jesus did? None. The only thing priests were able to do, they would look at the person and declare them clean or unclean, but they could not make somebody clean. Notice the implication of um, Jesus' response. He was moved with pity while leper is imploring him. Um, this is a really a strong emotion uh, negatively would be stated when somebody irritates you, yeah, or positively when you experience uh, compassion on somebody. And it leads to action. Jesus stretches out his hand. How many people in Israel do you think did this act? Absolutely none. Nobody could touch the unclean. It was not humanly possible, but Jesus does. He crosses the, the imagine the look on the faces of the disciples. Imagine the look on the faces of people who surround them. Yeah, they would step away definitely. Verse 42, and immediately leprosy left him. This is Mark's favorite term, immediately. When Jesus restores somebody, he doesn't give. Like in the Old Testament here, priests would often give them seven days. They quarantine somebody for seven days. I think they got double during the COVID. Uh, probably they were reading Leviticus, I'm not sure. Uh, yes. Yes. That is a good question. God's grace. Uh, they would examine visually. And immediately lep leprosy left him, and he was made clean. This was an absolute, complete restoration and fullness of health in this person's life. So Jesus gives a very stern charge to this person once again. What, he, what Jesus is telling to this person, 
with the same force that he had pity, he has, uh, he uses, uh, Mark here describes Jesus using the same force as he gives the charge to this person. He sends him away. Notice what Jesus tells him. You go to the priest and do exactly what Moses prescribed you. Exactly. As a testimony to them. Jesus did not come to break the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. But why is he saying as a testimony to them? You may recall that by this time, Jesus already cleansed the temple once. He is going to die in, from the hands of who? Priests. Priests specifically. They would be the majority in the Sanhedrin. They will hail and lead the charge, crucify him. But Jesus is telling to this fellow, says, go show yourself to the priest because somebody who is greater than priesthood of Aaron is here. Not somebody who can declare you clean, but who make you clean. And to Derek's uh, point, really, it's interesting that uh, this fellow did not listen, but he, he went on and he spread the news. We can think, yeah, understandably so, but definitely is not the heart of obedience. So one of the lessons from here, we see Jesus is far greater priest than Aaron's priesthood. It is here in this uh, text in Hebrews, uh, it says that Jesus' blood cleanses our conscience. Not only our physical body, it cleanses, cleansing of Christ is far deeper on our spiritual level. But what else do we learn here? We learn that really the illustration of our Jesus becoming our great substitute. Jesus relieves the man from his burden, but man places the burden on Jesus. Okay? We also see that the outsider on the inside the leper who was the outsider, now he's inside. He's part of the society. But Jesus, who is insider, he cannot come in. He's outside. We were spiritual lepers while he is pure. We were in isolation from God while he enjoyed perfect communion with God the Father. From outcast to heirs of glory while Jesus from glory to outcast. That's today's sermon. Uh, he trades our place by taking our sin. He was isolated from the Father on the cross in order for us to enjoy perfect communion with the Father. And this is really the key truth that we see proclaimed by Paul and displayed here by Christ. God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that through him we may become the righteousness of God. So leprosy was a big deal then. And leprosy of sin, as it would often be used in the New Testament, is still a big deal now. But this is not the end. I want us to fast forward to chapter 14. So Jesus, uh, God through Moses, gives also instruction about the future. When people of Israel would enter the land, and they will 
uh, occupy uh, certain uh, portions of real estate. By the way, um, if you are to have a red letter Bible, most of the Leviticus would be in the red letters. Um, so when people of Israel would occupy a piece of real estate, it's very interesting here in this text, it says, uh, the Lord further spoke to Moses and to Aaron saying, when you enter the land of Canaan, which I, which I give you for possession, and I put a mark of leprosy on a house in the land of your possession, then one who owns the house shall come and tell the priest saying, something like a mark of leprosy has become visible to me in the house. The priest shall then give command that they empty the house before the priest goes in to look at the mark so that everything in the house need not become unclean. And afterward, the priest shall go and look at the house. Uh, just, just a few interesting observations here. Notice uh, who places the mark of lepers in the house. And so who is in charge of any diseases in our world? CDC. I meant ABC for worship, not CDC. Uh, as a Christian, we need to remember that. I think uh, whenever we're experiencing any minor or, or big infirmities in our life, and some of them will keep us away from normal social life, not because we're being isolated, but just because we're physically not able to, we have to remember God is the one who places us in those circumstances, and he is absolutely the same, holy, wise, caring, loving, uh, as he is when we are healthy. And we need to experience those or walk through those days not looking inward, but looking outward, looking to the day when a full restoration is yet to come. So we'll continue here. Um, so priests... Uh, now, priest warns that people need to empty the house before he comes because when priest will declare house unclean, everything is unclean. So imagine it's the band placed on the house. They cannot take the plates. They cannot take the forks. Uh, they have to figure out what to do. Uh, so they had to really be mobile families and pack quickly in order to survive. Now, as here in this text, if incident is minor... So he shall look at the mark, and if the mark on the walls of the house has greenish or reddish depressions and appears deep, deeper than the surface, then the priest shall come out of the house to the doorway and quarantine the house for seven days. The priest shall return on the seventh day and make an inspection. If the mark has indeed spread in the walls of the house, then the priest shall order them to tear out the stones with the mark in them and throw them away at the unclean place outside the city. So notice here, this is not, uh, you know, somebody is trying to do uh, remodeling at the community expense. Uh, you know, we need to move this wall, so let's have a mark of readiness. And if priest says unclean, we'll tear it down uh, without uh, any permits of the city. Uh, that's not what is happening here. So, but I want you to notice something uh, in, this, in this text, very important. Uh, the elements of that infection on the wall, where should they be removed and placed to? Outside, outside, outside. This is, this is one of the repetitive terms. God dwells inside the camp, 
Nothing unclean can remain on the inside. It has to be outside. This is uh, where they... Uh, this is where they had to throw away, outside of the city. So we'll continue. Uh, he shall have the house uh, scraped all around inside, and then they shall dump the plaster that they scraped off in the unclean place outside the city. Then they shall, ta uh, shall take other stones and replace those stones, and he shall uh, take other plaster and replace replaster the house. So there is a restoration. It's a, it's a minor incident. Now, what if it's a major incident? Um, I mean, some of us in, in, in the society of constant remodeling, we may love these things, uh, but not in this case. This is a complete abandonment. In this case, even insurance would not cover the claim. So if, however, the mark breaks out again in the house after he has torn out the stones and scraped the house and after it had been replastered, then the priest shall come in and make, and make an inspection. If he sees that the mark has indeed spread in the house, it is a malign mark in the house. It isn't clean. He shall therefore tear down the house, its stones, its timbers, and all plaster of the house. He shall take them outside the city to an unclean place. This is a big deal. I mean, I'm not saying you should not invite pastors to your home. I mean, aren't you glad we're not operating on the Old Testament? How about the uh, workers that do all this work? They will be unclean. They will have to be uh, some, no, they probably will be unclean until the end of the day and they had to wash their clothing and wash themselves before they enter back into the community. What is the implication of this house? I want you to think about, in this context, two passages in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 23. This is the final week of Jesus' ministry. Jerusalem, Jerusalem who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together, the way a hand gathers her cheeks under her wings, and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you, from now on, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, disciples were very well familiar with the Leviticus. And in this context, Jesus tells them. And so next day they're asking, Lord, look at this wonderful shining stones of the temple. This is magnificent. And Jesus tells them as he came out from the temple and was going away, when his disciples came up to the point of the temple building buildings to him, and he said to them, do you not see all these things truly I say to you? Not one stone here will be left upon the other, which will not be turned down. And he was sitting on the mountain of Olives, and disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things happen? Uh, and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? What Jesus is declaring to his disciples here about the house the spiritual house of Israel. It is unclean. 
it is not pleasing to God. Even though he had a whole um, massive operation of priests, uh, the whole temple square with a big marketplace, uh, people can pretty much buy any clean animals. The entire religious, uh, religion system of Israel was not clean in the eyes of God. And when God came to inspect it, he said, your house will be, shall be left desolate. They will take stone, stone, your walls will be removed. It is an unclean place. Now, Jesus is speaking and disciples listening to that. They do understand Leviticus. They've been reading, not with us, but they've been reading Leviticus 13 and 14. They understand when God declares something unclean, it is truly unclean. Even though externally it may have a nice form, but in essence, in the heart, they abandon God. So as we study Leviticus, this is a, just a, one of the important aspects of studying Old Testament, really seeing the, the background, the context for the New Testament, and vice versa. But the implication for us, God de demands our wholeness. He expects our wholeness, but he also provide, provided the means for us to be holy. And it is by means of his own son who became our high priest, Jesus Christ, who, who died in our place, who paid the penalty of our sin, made us clean spiritually, that we may enjoy a relationship with God forever and be in his presence. Let us pray. Father God, we are grateful that you are no less holy today you are forever holy, and we have this blessed privilege to reflect how your holiness impacts us in various aspects of our lives. Lord, your holiness goes deeper than the depth of our skins. It penetrates our hearts and uh, encourages us to live as holy children in this world because we've been set apart by God through the redemption of Christ, we're grateful for Jesus' ministry as a high priest who not only comes to examine our state, but also to provide the, uh, the ultimate cure by covering our sins with his own atoning blood, granting us forgiveness, and bringing us into the fellowship with the Father that we would enjoy forever and ever. Lord, we're looking to the day when that full restoration will take place. But meanwhile, I pray that you... Give us grace to pursue holiness. And as we have interactions with people uh, who are outside, outside of God's family, may we reach out to them as Christ did to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.